Welcome to What the Fun Podcast with Kimmy, Kisa, and Renee. Glad you can join us as we explore all aspects of entertainment and current events with industry professionals, friends, and us. Welcome. And now episode seven. I like to note it every time we start a new episode where we're at so that not only do we, I mean, well, we get confused easily, but just so that everyone else doesn't get confused as to what you're listening to and to keep us on track. We're now on episode seven. Yay. Yay. Unlike the time we were on episode four, but we kept saying we were episode three and then we realized oh my gosh. Episode four. That was <laughs> the was funniest thing ever. Three and it was four. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> yeah, it was four, but we kept saying three. We just, we don't know. We have to say it for ourselves, not for anybody else. <laughs> but, but you know what? I just love how, you know, we just forget it. Just let it go. Let it roll. Let it roll. You know, with all the mistakes, it's okay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. So hopefully everyone's listened to our other um, bonus editions of Cubicle Chat. Um, One of the things we had recently shared across the board was, you know, Renee, learning that Renee also loves Filet-O-Fish. Our love and passion for the (laughs) Filet-O-Fish sandwich from McDonald's. And so um, a couple weeks ago, or what was it last week? A few weeks ago. It was Um, last week. It was last week. (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm losing track of time. We also don't know what time it is. So (laughs) we don't know the episode, don't know the time. Um, But um, last week I took a picture (laughs) of the sale that was going on with the Filet O Fish. And so um, I hashtagged it. And then Renee also went to go visit the McDonald's and got herself. I was inspired. Yes. She was inspired. She got herself some filet fish and she tagged, she hashtagged filet fish. And all of a sudden, we started we getting followers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We've started a movement and we love it. So if you guys enjoyed that episode and at the same time, um, just like taking pictures of food. <laughs> like Kimmy does (laughs) revisit the filet fish it's so good (laughs) yes please because I love me a good portrait of a filet fish sandwich it's so sexy (laughs) but you know in addition to filet fish there are other things that we talk about so if you see something that um you know, that relates to, you know, some of our topics or whatever it may be. Um, please, you know, hashtag it. Like when we were talking about zip lining and how I would rather kick it at the cracker, crackle barrel, not cracker. <laughs> <laughs> cracker. Well, it a cracker. Oh, is cracker. it cracker? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cracker, cracker barrel. Oh my gosh. I am such an embarrassment to this, to this podcast Give me, team. I was with you. I was with you. I thought it was crackle barrel too. Well, let everybody, let the record show that we didn't know what it was called. We were all calling it crackle barrel. And then one Google search corrected us. <laughs> oh, the Googling. Thank Google goodness it. for Google. What would we do without it? Okay. So if you happen to be having breakfast, lunch, or dinner at the Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Hopefully you say it like that too. Just like that. 
hashtag it share you know share some of your adventures with us we want to we want to share all the fun of what our followers are doing because it's what fun right what the fun yes yes and let's just take this opportunity right now to say guys feel free to follow us on facebook if you haven't already and uh send us messages send us information what you guys want to hear from us what you want to talk about we have um you know rikiki productions is up and running and yes what the fun podcast was our initial it's our first product. little snippet <laughs> snippet <laughs> but it's we have plans for more we want to do so much more but we want to hear from you guys too and see how that's going and whether you guys are liking the podcast, would you like to hear from the podcast? Um, also, just engagement, just all around engagement, because that'll be very helpful for us. Absolutely. Yes. This show is all about, I mean, it's for you guys. It's for all of our listeners, you know, for everyone out there who's, you know, interested or intrigued by the entertainment industry. And, you know, anything that we could do to help get you that information or what stuff that you want to hear, you know, as Renee was saying, um, give us that feedback, you know. We can only do better when we get feedback, right? So yeah. let yeah. us know. Let us know. Um, and yeah, Rikiki Productions is going to expand. Podcast is just one little segment to, you know, a couple other things that we want to produce in the future. Um, webisodes, we want to do some comical stuff, um, whether it's comedy or educational, whatever it may be. We want to start broadcasting webisodes on uh, media platforms such as YouTube Facebook and other areas where we can load, you know, videos onto and also live performances. You know, we are creatively talented like that. We love to um, manage shows, create shows and just, you know, bring entertainment to everybody. And so that's another avenue that we're looking into once this whole COVID situation ends and we can resume performing on stage again. So mm. many concerts, big concerts, musical productions, tiny productions, whatever it may be, we want to start venturing into other avenues while podcasting away. So, and who knows, yeah. maybe we might even produce other podcast shows, you know, underneath the Rikiki umbrella. So, um, Please subscribe to all of our platforms because it is really, it's going to help us. We really need the support from all of you um, from <clears throat> our YouTube site to Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, all of our podcast platforms and YouTube. We need all the support by you guys subscribing to it so that that helps us boost sponsorships and hopefully get recognition from others. And also, last but not least, is us thanking you guys. Thank you so much for listening to our rants, <laughs> our banters, <laughs> our shenanigans, <laughs> our awesome guests, um, us screwing up episodes. <laughs> but um, it, it's it's you guys. We we love what we do, and we do this for you. So thank you for supporting us constantly. Yes. <laughs> well said, Emmy. Thank you. Thank you. I thought about it while I was in the shower. Because <laughs> you took a shower. I'm proud of you. I took a shower. I did. Um, so, you know, along the lines of producing um, <laughs> all these upcoming projects, you know, we've got our next guest joining us today who is a type of producer who produces, you know, music. 
He does produce music. He's actually a really joyful person to speak with. So it was mm-hmm. it was really nice getting to know him. I know that you were down there that weekend that we recorded, and so you got yes. to spend like physical time with him because he's one of your close friends. So that's yeah, really cool. Um, <laughs> I just love how we got very serious. This is perhaps <laughs> the most serious, <laughs> the most serious physical chat pre-show <laughs> segment we've ever had. It's so true. <laughs> But, you know, it's like at one point, when do we get to, you know, acknowledge, you know, our business of yeah. making it happen and also, again, just reinforcing our gratitude to our listeners. So, mm-hmm. uh, yes, Jeff. Oh, my gosh. His voice is so soothing. <gasps> it is. <laughs> it's very soothing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's it like, is. It's like a very white, soothing voice, you know. So, and that's good for someone who also does voiceovers. So it's kind of mm-hmm. cool to see his, uh, how he's, his career yeah, has evolved right. throughout the years. Yeah. It's really cool. Definitely. Definitely. And, yeah. you know, we, we love a good entrepreneur. That's, <laughs> you know, I feel like everybody that uh, we've been talking to is just, you know, gone off and done their own thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is what we're doing as well. We're doing our own thing. So we're all about entrepreneurship here at What the Fun Podcast. That so. is so true. <laughs> yes, yes, and yes, I was yes. Like, yes, and that happened with that one too, and that one too. <laughs> episode five, episode three. <laughs> Even Hopefully, that- it gives inspiration that you can do whatever you want to do. You don't need somebody else. And the true entrepreneur, which to me is always like the performer, because they're hustling. Mm-hmm. They're out there. Absolutely. Themselves. Yep. So, yeah. Anyway, so that's exciting. This is an exciting time, guys. Yay! So, joining us today is a very talented voice over actor who is actually one of my dearest friends. Now, you've heard his voice in commercials, movie previews, documentaries, and coming soon animation, which is a project that um, he and I were working on. Um, also, another thing that I wanted to point out, too, is besides lending his voice to television, he's also an accomplished music producer under Jadian Music, creating dance pop hits for artists where he's charted over a quarter of a million downloads on all digital download sites. And then also check this out. Half a billion combined plays on YouTube. Okay. Now, without further ado, I want to welcome to the show my dearest friend, Jeff Wells. Yay! Hello, hello. Hi, Jeff. Hello, how are you girls today? Ladies, women, fantastic <laughs> human beings. <laughs> oh, you're good. <laughs> we are excited. We are excited to have you. We're excited to be here. Uh, Kim has been my guest for the last couple of nights here because we have a, another great friend of ours, Corey, from out of town. And yeah. we had a, a great night last night watching Harlem Nights, just enjoying it. <laughs> Yes, we did. So, Jeff, yesterday, I mean, we had an opportunity to chat with you briefly. And, you know, we we heard some of your backstory in regards to singing. I know that you Mm -hmm. stepped on stage um, at a very young age, around four years old, I believe, um, singing with your dad. Yeah, four or five. Four or five years old, singing with your dad. And it was something that you were passionate about. And you actually continued to pursue singing, even though, you know, the odds were not in your favor. But you had this ear uh, for no. music. You you just had this knack for music and could, you know, um, pick up on these things. And so now you've 
stumbled into music production. Tell us about that journey as being a music producer and how you just, you know, became passionate about that. Um, long story short, I, most of my life spent, you know, trying to put a band together and, you know, I, I was really into the, the color me bad boys to men, the shy, the, 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 the ultimate harmony groups of the early nineties. Yeah. Right? Like a little boy and, band group. Uh, kind of. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, a little, you know, and That's you know, sexier. eventually, <laughs> of course, obviously. Um, Is that color me bad. <laughs> um, I eventually, as I saw the story yesterday, um, after years and years of just not going anywhere and, and ended up having a family and, you know, putting everything on the back burner a thousand times over working on my, you know, real life business, you know, to pay the bills. Um, you know, one day I, I hear I'm watching TV and, and it was Britney Spears, uh, hit me baby one more time came on. And I was like, Oh my God, if, if I could, this is the stuff that's in my head, this sound, this, this, what ended up being the Sharon Studios sound, Max Martin, Rami, Christian London, all these guys in, in Sweden in this one studio were kicking out massive, massive, massive hits. The, by far and away the most successful production house in history. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to be that. I, I mean, you know, I am, you know, 16% Scandinavian, so it, maybe it's in my blood. The Swedish sound, you know, the ABBA, <laughs> the, the Swedish pop sound is in my blood. Mm -hmm. So I ended up eventually getting a Korg Triton keyboard, which was the pinnacle of all keyboards. Almost every song you heard in the mid to late 90s was made with a Korg Triton keyboard, at least somewhere in that mix. And started making tracks, eventually opened my own studio. And um, that's where I met Simon. And we began to make what turned out to be some really, really incredible pop music that that became very successful independently. Mm -hmm on the verge of a major record deal three different times had one offer, which was declined because it was, it was horrible. The, the offer was horrible. We would have been slaves forever. Or he would have been, I was just along for the ride, I guess. But, um, you just, something you just fall into and you, you're either, you, you don't go to school for it. A lot of people go to school to be a producer. It's like going to school to be a chef. You can learn how, what ingredients go where, mm -hmm. but you just have to have that, that thing. And and that was something that I have blessed to be to have, and I and I'm pretty good at it. So it's something that I've never achieved superstardom, but done well independently. And I know that probably the biggest reason why, as far as you know, this being a video for people in the industry, mm -hmm. what I did wrong is not market myself. Mm -hmm. I never marketed myself because I was too busy worrying about what I was doing, and frankly, I just felt you just have this awkwardness of trying to market yourself, you know, when somebody mm -hmm. else is doing it for you and tells you how great you are, it's cool. When you tell yourself how great you are and you start telling everybody else how great you are, it comes across as kind of arrogant. I always had an issue mm -hmm. with that, but it was also my downfall. It's why I never made that, you know, multi-platinum producer status, I believe. Mm -hmm. You know what? So something that just struck me right now, and I'm deviating from what we planned, but it's I fine. deviate all the time. <laughs> <laughs> You said it's like entertainment is a brutal business. We all, we all know that. So I guess, um, what keeps you coming back into entertainment? Like what makes you want to stay in the entertainment 
business. You ever dated that person who you just tried to break up with and it was just so damn good? <laughs> <laughs> you just couldn't walk away. <laughs> you know, it's like, look, I know, I know you're horrible. I know you're bad for me, but damn, it was good. That's me with music. It's just, I have this saying that I used to say a lot, and, and you guys asked me one of my favorite sayings. And I didn't write this one down, but this is one of them. You're not, you're not what you do. You do what you are. Yeah. And it's just so ingrained in me that I don't know how to do everything else. I mean, I spent most of my schooling time pre- preparing to be a lawyer because I'm, I like to argue and I'm good at it. <laughs> so <laughs> I figured might as well get paid for it, right? So, and I also talk a lot. So I decided to get paid for that instead. And as much as, you know, the thought of, 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 you know, being a trial lawyer was, was really, it's fun. You know, it's, I actually did a lot of mock trials in school and and I I was in front of the judges and I didn't, I loved it, but there's just not that passion. And there's just Mm -hmm. something about always coming back to the music that, that you do, even when you're sick and tired of the, this shit business, you just Mm -hmm. feel like sometimes I just got to sit down and make a track. I just have to sit down and create something. Mm -hmm. And it it, it is an outlet, especially in these trying times with all the craziness going on now. I find myself coming in here to the studio and just sitting down and just playing for two hours, you know, just playing. And and it just, it's, it just lets it go. I think it's any, anybody who does music on a serious level understands exactly what I'm saying. It's just part of who you are and it's impossible. It's like trying to rip out your soul and throw it in the trash. Mm -hmm. You just can't. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Thank you. So then uh, honing that craft is important, right? So even if you're not like the top singer or producer or Mm -hmm. how do you get there? You put in the work. Uh, So you mentioned yesterday that you um, honed your craft, that you kept getting educated and learning. And even when you started transitioning into voiceovers that you took classes and continued to grow in that aspect. How passionate are you about that? When everybody, because of the, the, the state of technology, everybody and their dog thinks they are Dr. Dre. Mm-hmm. They, <laughs> everybody's got Fruity Loops. Everybody thinks that they're a producer. And when I started out doing this, it, the, the rate of progress in technology from just 15 years ago to now is night and day. So to have what I have on GarageBand now would have cost $10,000 15 years ago. When I was a teenager trying to do the singing things, I mean, you're talking a quarter million dollars to have a studio that I have in a little box right now. It's same, same technology is in this little you know universal audio um, Apollo twin right. as it was a quarter million dollar studio 25 years ago. So you have to understand that there are people that are always going to be able to teach you something. I've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of hours behind this board mixing and learning and trying to figure out things and get it right. I mean, as I said, you know, to Kim the other day, I said, you know, you're not really a producer until you've had those. And then you're, you know, then you're a producer. Otherwise you're a beat maker. It's mm-hmm. two different things. And when you can when you can hear a vocal and know that, okay, I need to scoop this at 200 hertz. I need to add a one-eighth delay with a small plate reverb with a 2.5-second delay, or sorry, 2.5-second tail at the end of it and kind of had an idea of what it's going to sound like before that even happens. 
then you're a producer. Mm-hmm. And when when you when you can visualize things and make them tangible, then you're a producer. When you mm-hmm. hear things and you can make it reality, then you're a producer. And no matter how good you are, there is some other little tech rat who's sitting in his computer who's, you know, Zed. Everybody knows Zed, right? Mm-hmm. All right, Zed is Max Martin's little protege. This kid is a classically trained pianist and a total little tech nerd. Same with Circuit. He worked with Dr. Luke. These guys were young, little, frankly, nerds who just had everything technically down perfect. And they spent thousands of hours doing that. And and those are the kids that really, really end up being phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And they're those guys are so far advanced than, than almost anybody. And you don't realize how much you don't know until you meet somebody who's spent their life in the studio. I mean, the first time I ever went to a, a major um, studio was uh, Will Smith's Boom Boom Room in Burbank. And we, we recorded a song there by, um, with a guy that wrote uh, one of Britney Spears' big hits. And our engineer at the time, you know, this is a guy that had been around for years, and he just, the, the, the simple things that you don't realize you don't know that these engineers can teach you, being around and immersing yourself in that life with other people who know a lot is very, very, very key. Immerse yourself in like-minded people and don't think you know everything. No matter how good you are, there's always somebody that knows way more than you do. Yeah. So there's always an opportunity yeah. to. Always. Always. Never stop learning. Ever, ever, ever. Okay. So someone else we both know in common was on our show not too long ago, Mr. Simon Curtis. Now you've worked with him before on earlier projects. How was that dynamic working together? You know, it was, it was a, a moment of magic when we sat down in the studio together and I was like playing this. And he was like, this is exactly the stuff I got in my head and I'm hearing him sing. And I'm like, that's the kind of sound that I'm looking for in my head. You know, it, was, yeah. it worked out really well. And Very so, uh, special moment. So that instant magic, did you ever uh, experience that with anyone else other than one other person? One other person, and that would be Rochella. Rochella Danache, a.k.a. Wolfie Jones, uh, who, is part, who is the lead singer of Candy Coda Chaos. I mean, she and I did uh, two solo albums together and ended up doing hundreds and hundreds of uh, licensing spots on MTV background shows mm-hmm. and Showtime shows and a lot of VH1 shows. That was she was another person that it was just instant magic because she just had that thing. She just got it. You know, and yeah. it's it's a special, special thing to find that person who just gets it. Yeah. And you're like, hey, why don't you do I got it? Okay. Yeah. You like know, you could like uh, it's almost like you could read each other's minds. You read each and other, you, just you don't even know. Right. Yeah. You, you just it just happens and you you start to speak and they start to speak and I got it. Okay. I got We're it. on the same uh, wavelength. Yeah. That's cool. It's it's a great feeling. Rare as hell. Great feeling. Yeah. So what do you do if if somebody's not on that same wavelength as you with the artists that you don't have that special magic moment with? Breathe. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> just you just accept it for what it is and yeah. you try your best to convey and that's when being a producer comes into play and you hear it on the radio all the time and yeah. that's why that's why we have auto-tune <laughs> and things like that <laughs> uh, because a lot of people don't get it. The vast majority of people don't get it. I told you yesterday, if you ever want to see what it's life, like in the, in the life of a music producer or anybody in the music industry, American Idol is real. 
I mean, mm-hmm. it's not hard. Uh, you know, people think, oh, they pick and choose to find these really horrible people. No, they don't. They're everywhere. And mm-hmm. the amount of people who really truly believe they have that gift is 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 astonishing. And I've had to when I, when I had early on when I had uh, two business partners in my studio. I was, they called me the Simon Cowell of the studio. Cause I was the only one that would be like the same for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, sorry. Like, and then, you know, they'll, they'll bring the whole family and a family's oh, you're, you're so good. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, uh, it's tough, but no, you, you do, you take, you take what you know and you try to make it the best you can. I've, I've got songs that people ended up turning out pretty good because I was mm-hmm. able to manipulate what they did do, what they did give me. You give me a clean vocal. That's remotely on key, and I'll make it at least sound presentable. Mm-hmm. So. so, for someone who's not familiar with the music industry, um, help us understand the difference between independent music versus record deal. Independent music means you can do what you want. Mm-hmm. Independent means you you can have the freedom to put out what you want. You don't really have to care what somebody else says. You don't have a a focus group of people saying that, you know, this is what you want. This is what you don't want. And it means in most cases, if you're successful, a lot more money. If you're not successful, it's because you didn't have the major label because the major label has the apparatus of promotion. Mm-hmm. And if you have money, if you have a lot of money, anybody listening, if you have a lot of money and you want to get on the radio, let me know. I can make it happen. But mm-hmm. it's, um, it takes a tremendous amount of money, tremendous amount of money to succeed in the music business. You either have to have it put up for you or put it up yourself or record label does it. Now, the problem with being with the record label is the industry has changed so much. You almost have to already be really successful for the label to even touch you. Mm. And the label just, you know, used to the label would say, you know, hey, this kid made a, a batch of pancakes. They tasted really good. Uh, let's um let's 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 enhance his this formula let's 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 work it let's focus group it and let's build it and let's let's make a, a house of pancakes well now you have to have a chain of house of pancakes and all they want to do is take it international they want to take what you already did and mm-hmm. work hard and just mm-hmm. duplicate it and it's easy to do it's it's an easier game for the labels and in other words in other in other areas it's very hard for the labels because the independent artists are like well, why do i need you yeah. I'm making plenty of money right now you know you have a lot of the rappers and they're they're signed to independent labels independent labels that are basically people that had money that did what they could have done had they had the money and these guys are making 10 times as much money as they as they would have if they had had a record label selling the same amount of records Mm -hmm. you know all things being equal if you can sell a hundred thousand records independently versus a million records on a label you probably make more money independently on a hundred thousand um, so before we move on to like talking about, uh, your voiceover stuff, you say you were 25 years old when you started actually going into the production business. Do you feel mm-hmm. that you were older than most people that were getting into that? Or do you feel you were the right age at the time at and the, still now? At the time, mm-hmm. cause that was a long time ago. Um, that was, you know, 19 years ago, 20 years ago. and at the time, yeah, I was, I think I was about the right age because, you know, kids 17, 18, unless they were from a rich family could not afford most of the stuff that you needed to do to be competitive, Mm -hmm. to make a sound that was competitive. Everything at that time, unless it was a ridiculous studio, 
you could just tell with the sound of it that it was not a high quality studio. You could tell a demo studio from a professional studio. So I think at that time, you know, early 20s was pretty normal. Now, God, no, it's just 13 year old kids out there that are that are selling. You know, hell, we met one not long ago that was 16 years old who has um, 1.5 million streams a month Mm -hmm. on Spotify. And I'm like, these kids are getting really young because technology has enabled them to have the the tools, you know, and a lot of a lot of these programs like Fruity Loops, you know, it, it you don't even have to play. You just assemble pre-played things that sound legit because they're already professionally mixed and you can make something that sounds really 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 high in that can compete with what's what's on the radio mm-hmm. and yeah. so no i think now if you're not if you're not starting at you know 14 15 years old you're behind the curve not that you can't mm-hmm. do it but you're just behind the curve yeah yeah and I mean, like you were saying earlier with marketing yourself and now you have your social media. Social media is everything. Everything. It's it's like, it, you know, people, like you said, 16-year-old kids have hundreds of millions of views on YouTube and, you know, Spotify. You have to have a social media presence in 2020. You have to. Yeah. It, there's no way around it. If you don't have 10,000 followers, nobody cares. And nobody cares about 10,000 fake followers. You have to put out content. You have to put out even if it's you doing a cover things here and there, preferably if you can do, you know, do it the right way. If you have original material, record your original material, make sure it's copywritten and registered with BMI and ASCAP or ASCAP before you do it, before you put it out there. That way somebody can't just steal it, but putting out your music, getting people to follow you, getting a following and then having the product to serve to those people is very key. So you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? You kind of have to have social media to get the mm-hmm. music heard. But you got to start somewhere. You have to start putting out some content, even if it's covers. Um, so when when you have like the perfect mixture, you have great social media, you have a fantastic voice. The key, ne- the next key is having a good song and a great producer. Or yeah, is it just having a great producer and that song can suck? It, it's not even about a song anymore or a producer. It's about the name. Yeah. So if you don't have the name, the best second best thing you can have is the product. Mm-hmm. And in order to get the best product, you either have to be, you know, there are a lot more self-produced artists than there used to be. I, some people do it better. There's a lot because of the amount of people that have it. Obviously the percentage of people that are able to do it well is still very low, but the number of people is higher mm-hmm. that can produce their own stuff and make it sound good. Mm-hmm. But you almost always need that third party person to, to really make it better, yeah. to make it mm-hmm. really perfect. And even, even as a producer, I, I do my own mixing too, but a lot of producers send it to a third party mixer. So there's like, you know, the artist, the person who wrote the song, then the producer, and then the mixer, and then the masterer, you know, it's like four different people mm-hmm. all putting their own touch on it. And that's how you, you know, that, that's thousands and thousands of dollars per song. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. But it's so art like the artistry is there. Everyone is putting something in it. Making Absolutely. And only one and only one person gets credit for it, the artist. The artist, exactly. <laughs> that is why you're here today. We want our listeners to understand the music producer's role. So, okay, so you you've spent many years producing music, writing music. You still do it till this day. But then there's another avenue that you've shifted into, and that is Voiceover work. How did you get into that business? 
Um, the very first time I ever had any conception of it, um, when I was younger, we moved from here in California to Oklahoma and I was about 15 and I used to call in all the time to the local radio station in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's now it's K hits, but it used to be called K one Oh seven. And I used to call in there all the time to request a song or whatever. And there was the, the main primetime DJ was a, a, a girl named Carly Rush, but she would always say, tell me how recognizable my voice was. And, and then one day she goes, how old are you? I said, 15. She's like, oh my God, you sound like you're 25. That was the first time she goes, you need to do radio. And I remember, I remember vividly, she goes, you know, the guy that does our announcements, the, the bumpers, you know, the K107, mm-hmm. you know, he, he was like, that guy makes $100,000 a year. And that was back, you know, in the nineties. I'm like, holy shit, a hundred thousand dollars a year. You know, that's like mm. a fortune. I mean, now it's nothing now, but it's like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, oh my God, a guy gets a hundred grand a year for talking. Who does that? I didn't know that mm-hmm. was a thing, you know? And then I heard, you know, Don LaFontaine, the voice of God, the former trailer movie trailer mm-hmm. guy. And of course he was making millions of dollars mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow, that, that would be cool to do that someday. It was one of those things where I didn't think much of it until later in life. And I was just really dejected about the music industry and you know the the bloom is off the rose on that thing and i was like you know what can i do that it's just all me and i don't have to rely on somebody else mm-hmm. so i was like you know let me let me join voices.com and you know put out some auditions and see if i can get anything you know and it took me 200 auditions to to get my first gig <laughs> and i i guess that's that's not bad because i've heard people say they took a thousand to start off so mm-hmm. um but then I, I took um, some voice lessons, you know, some speaking lessons. And, you know, that was that was very beneficial because it just told me basically what I was doing wrong. And so the voice lessons were incredibly helpful. I would recommend that anybody take at least a few from a reputable voiceover artist, actor, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. voiceover actor, teacher. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, decided to do uh, demos with the incredible Chuck Duran. Chuck Duran is probably the premier voiceover producer and director in the business he's that guy that just gets it Mm. he just knows how to convey Mm. and to be able to convey in words things that are really hard to to describe is a gift that a lot of producers don't have and it's it's very rare that you can have somebody be able to describe emotion in a proper way that you can understand it and Mm -hmm. emit it out of your Mm -hmm. mouth so he was incredibly helpful. And after I worked with him, <clears throat> just my, my book rate skyrocketed. I mean, just putting on, you know, you get a like or something, you get put on hold for, for a thing, went up probably four, four times, you know, just mm-hmm. from those little subtle things that make all the difference in the world. And since then, it's just been going pretty steadily. I still do, you know, a few jobs a week. I don't, pursue it as hard as I should on the social media. But then again, the virus hit and life collapsed. So we uh, put everything on hold. <laughs> still, still, you know, I still family man and, you know, I still do my music and it's, it's, it's something that I'm getting more and more serious about every day. You know, I would love for you to give us one of your favorite voice voiceovers. <laughs> so if you don't mind sharing some of your favorite characters that you like to you like to voice sometimes some of my favorite characters well the only real characters that i've developed that i am going to talk about are the ones that we did for the pilot we did called darwin's rangers mm-hmm. and the 
I don't even know if the website's still up, Kim. Do you know? But um, I think so. it's um, I do the the, the main character is um, Corey. It's a live. You think uh, um, kind of a Blues Clues? It's a kids show. Think Blues Clues is a live action person and speaking to animated characters, and the characters are manatees, and because it's about the ocean and conservation of the ocean, and the main character is humanity, <laughs> and that's. I, I do that voice, and that's basically the voice you hear right now. It's my regular speaking voice. And he has a cousin from Cocoa Beach, Florida, named Marty Manatee. And Marty is um, significantly overweight. He has a, a hairy chest and a big gold medallion. <laughs> he is the ultimate, very typical, stereotypical Cocoa Beach, Florida resident who recently moved from New York City. <laughs> he is, um, he's very angry and he, he often has a, a sense of humor. That's a little, uh, brash, I guess. So <laughs> he, uh, <clears throat> you know, everything he does, he, he talks like this, whenever he gets angry, he talks, he talks and he runs out of breath cause he's so overweight. <laughs> 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 my name is Marty Manatee, and I'm from Cocoa Beach, Florida. And it's, you know, it's always it's not Florida; it's Florida. Florida. <laughs> and it was it was hilarious because we watched uh, we watched Jumanji, the second Jumanji, and uh, when The Rock was like, "Are we in Florida?" <laughs> and my my eight year old loves to imitate. He's like, "Are we in Florida?" He's like, "It sounds like Marty, Dad." He says, "Florida." <laughs> Do you find yourself like imitating people <laughs> or? Or like you're you're in a group of people and they all have like different accents and then you walk away and you have their accent. <laughs> oh no, I can do it. I, and, and I swear to God, listen, this is the truth. People that can do mimicking are almost always musically inclined. You look at Adam Sandler, you look at um, Jimmy Fallon, all these guys, all of them are musicians. They can all sing. They can all mm -hmm. hear things. And I think that, and it also helps me with languages. I pick up foreign languages pretty quickly too. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just, it's a musical thing. So, yeah, no, I can go in there and, and have a, you know, you, you, you name the people. I mean, I can go in there and talk like, sound just like them in a few minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, Kim does some amazing voices too. If she hasn't done them for you, you got to make her do it. Kim, let's hear Layla. Since you're making me do voices, I want to hear Layla. Oh my gosh. I even forgot how Layla rolls because Layla, she has. This is bullshit right here. No, she has. Never forget. I have to like get into. It's been a while since I've done Layla. <laughs> Do you need to see a saguaro cactus so that you can feel inspired? Because Layla is a saguaro she's cactus. Like, Buenos dias, uh, little something. Hola, la pequeños. Hola, pequeños. She just has this unique tone in her voice. Think, think me a Mexican, a Mexican Mrs. Doubtfire kind of look. Uh, <laughs> there you go. It was a run by Fruity. <laughs> Kim is so talented and so good at voiceover. It's it's great. Oh my gosh! When 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 we're in his little studio or. We get in this little funk and then we're like on a roll with these characters. It's, it's always great times. So let's talk about your words of wisdom oh, as we, <laughs> as we, as we wrap up, um, what do you have to say to our listeners who are few and, you know, in the entertainment industry, 
maybe just are not the career, maybe they're, you know, have a pretty stable career. What do you have to say to them? Like what keeps you inspired? Uh, what keeps me inspired is, is my family, my kids, my future, and making sure that, that my kids have everything that they need. Um, one of the reasons why I love doing what I do is because I can be here with my family. I, I have the freedom to do what I want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, money is not money does not buy happiness, but freedom does. And if you don't have something that's grounding you, you will never find happiness. I don't care how much money you make. So first and foremost, find what makes you happy and embrace that. Secondly, embrace the suck. Embrace the fact that you're going to fail. Embrace the fact that you're going to have to keep trying and keep learning and keep trying and keep trying and get told no and get told no. And eventually, sometimes you'll get told yes. Kind of like dating for guys. Always <laughs> <laughs> asking a couple of yeses here and now. Again, it's usually no, get the hell away from me. But, you know, you have to understand when you're going into something as difficult as the entertainment business, as subjective mm-hmm. as the entertainment business, that just because one person, and this has really been hard for me to accept over the years, nothing sucks worse than somebody in a real position of power, somebody you knew of, knew the name, tells you it ain't going to happen for you. I mean, that's just like, damn, Mm -hmm. that hurts. So you never quit because there's always that person. Now, yeah, the odds are against Mm -hmm. you. If you're not one of their their babies, you know, the odds are against you. Mm -hmm. But you can do it. You can do it. I I don't know how anybody in this business can ever reach the, the heights that they have reached without massive heartbreak. It, it's it's yeah. necessary. It's necessary. Yeah. Well, it's the only way to grow. You Absolutely. know, I mean, if, if you're always getting jobs, you're, you know, then, then you're going to just think that that's how it is. That's right. not how it is. It's really, it's very difficult. And that right there, what you just said is what happens to a lot of young child stars. They get on that role, and and you know, you guys know in the entertainment business, if you start booking, you just mm-hmm. book, and you're yeah. just booked for everything, and you think that's going to just continue for years, right? And suddenly you're 13, your voice is changing, you're not that cute little actor yeah. anymore, and that's why a lot of them end up having really, really hard times. Yeah. Key words yeah. of wisdom. Thank, Thank you. Very well. Thank welcome. you, Jeff. We really you guys appreciate it. Have a wonderful week. Stay safe out there, and we'll talk yes. to you soon. High fives yeah. all the way around. High fives all around. Thank you so much, Jeff, for joining us on What the Fun Podcast. For all our listeners out there, if you want to learn more about Jeff and his voiceover work, you can check out his website at www.jeffwellsvoice.com. Or if you want to learn more about his music producing projects, you can also visit www.soundcloud.com slash Jadian Music. Yes, and please don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Rikiki Productions. Also, don't forget to leave us a message, comment, or any questions you may have for us on Facebook or Instagram at Rikiki Productions. Yes, and make sure that you are subscribed to all of our podcast platforms so you can stay up to date on all of our latest shenanigans. We post new episodes of What the Fun podcast every other Friday. Thanks for listening. Bye, everyone.